Praise God. You, you may be seated. The Lord bless you today. Um, Carlos, would you do me a favor? I've got a handout here that I don't know if I'm going to use or not. I need to get a copy of this first. Get a copy of it. And you give everybody as, as many as you can pass that out in Jesus' name. I, it's just something you can put in your, in your notes. Um, it was something that I ran across here last night that I thought was um, good. I just thought it's very, very relevant, and especially in the world you and I are living in today. Praise God. Um, we uh, have a tendency as human beings to get to a place where we don't think we need anything or that, you know, that this is a one-and-done type of situation, and that's not how the kingdom of God operates. You know, the initial thing is, is that a person becomes born again. Can somebody say Amen. I know most of you understand what I'm talking about here. And what that means is we are born of the water and of the spirit. That's what Jesus in, made the invitation to um, a very religious man, uh, Nicodemus. And, of course, that was substantiated in the book of Acts. If you study the book of Acts, you're going to find that there is no place in the book of Acts that they baptized any way else but in Jesus' name. And it's because that's how Jesus did it. You know, third chapter of the Gospel of John, the Bible says that Jesus baptized his disciples. I'm going to assume that that was in Jesus' name because that's what his disciples did in the book of Acts. I'm just being reasonable here. And then, of course, one of the, uh, the tremendous things that happened to the church that made the difference in that Roman world at that time was the fact that there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost on a regular basis. Thousands would receive the Holy Ghost. In fact, the first day that the message actually got preached on a wholesale basis, and you can follow this if you want in the second chapter of the book of Acts, the Bible says that 3,000 were added to the church just that one day after that one message. And so that's the kind of impact that God is having today, praise God. Now the real issue here is, is that there are many thousands, millions of people in the world today are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's happening. The world cannot deny it. Amen. Although they try to downplay it. A lot of denominations are doing that right now, and I feel bad for them. They shouldn't. They should be lifting that up. That should be something that we celebrate every time we come together. That should be something that is on every internet channel or whatever that is. That, that the idea that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is being poured out, praise God, in the midst of all kinds of opposition, praise God. But the, the, the key to that is that we hook into the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What I mean by that is that we buy into the fact that God has poured out His Spirit so that you and I would not be depleted any longer. Praise God. That's, not, that's what it has to happen. I don't know about you, but it's, it's the, mem the memories are fading. But if I remember right, the thing that I used to do when I was in, you know, before I came to a church like this, is I would just live from one catastrophe to another. That's just kind of how it worked. And then I would get into a place where I just hope nothing bad happened to me. You know, and, and I mean, again, I think that's a, a good thought. It's an unrealistic thought, in my opinion. But what would what happen is then something would come along and just kind of, you know, uh, pull the rug out from under me and that type of thing. Now, being a Christian, uh, we have to be careful that we don't, uh, that we think that none of that will ever happen to me again. No, that's not what it's talking about. It just means that you now have the ability to tap into a strength that you've never had before. The Apostle Paul realized this when he, um, like, like us, he came across something. I'm not real clear about what it was. It could have been a physical condition. It doesn't really matter. But he sought the Lord three times that God would take that away from him. And to me, that sounds reasonable. God, anything bad in my life, take it away. Can somebody say amen? 
What a lovely thought. And I'm not here to try to be facetious or, or unkind. I'm just saying, you know, we'd have to be taken out of this world for that to happen. See, you're living in a world where things are going to happen, victims and things of that nature. And I'm not trying to give anybody bad uh, uh, nightmares or anything like that, but that's just how it is. And so you and I must understand, like Paul did, that his grace is sufficient. See, now God, through influence, can come into your life in a very, very direct way. Praise God. It's like hardwiring God into your life. That's literally what the Holy Ghost is. Amen. It's, he's hardwiring himself in you. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't do whatever you want to. It just means that you now have a source, praise God, that you've never had before. And that's why something like this, I hope, will make sense to you when you begin to read this. And I, I'm not going to teach on this this morning. I'm just handing this out so you can understand some things. I thought this was very well communicated, you know. Um, I, I didn't realize I needed a life vest until I fell in the water, you know. Wow, can you get a word picture of that? Yeah, I, I didn't realize I needed a helmet until I hit the rocks. I mean, these are things of life, and you can put all kinds of things onto that. But the, the point of it is, is like the, this man says, he says, it is time to stop engaging in fantasies about self-sufficiency and personal ability. And that's where we really can get off the rails, folks. Because you must understand, you and I were created with God tendencies. We were created in the image of God. What that means is you and I, we can even act like God sometimes. But the real issue there is we're not the source of that. He is. And that's where we get, we get a little bit off rails. You know, we think well, we get to be doing some things and we can do some stuff. And pretty soon we get the idea that we're the source that our good works are the source. And we got religions that are founded on this. Literally, they feel like they're going to get to heaven because of their good works. And that is not in the Bible, folks. You will not find that. The Bible says that all of, in this room, in this state, in this nation, in this hemisphere, if we piled all the good works into an area, it still wouldn't be sufficient. It wouldn't, and I'm not trying to, you know, give you negative thinking here. I'm trying to help you to put it in perspective. Amen. God doesn't expect you to get to heaven by your works. What he expects you to do is to tap into him and then begin to rely on his strength. That's what we're doing in here right now, by the way. This move of God was not predicted. None of us could have come this morning and say, boy, this is going to happen. No, it just happens. That's what God does when people respond to him in faith. That's why one of the, the six uh, essential doctrines of Christ was to have faith towards God. That's what we do, and that's what we exercise. And that's, what, and that's what's been going on in this place today. And by the way, that's why people are healed. That's why uh, things are gone. Praise God. Now, if you want to pick them back up when you leave, that's your business. But I'm going to, I'm going to believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's several places in Scripture where the Bible says everybody that came into Jesus, everybody that came to those meetings in those days, they were completely healed and made whole. And I believe our God is still that kind of a God in the name of Jesus. He is the one that heals in the name of Jesus. Come 
Come on, if you need a healing right now, just lift up your hands right now. Not by works of righteousness, which you have done, but Lord God, you're doing it for me because you have, you have poured out your grace via the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord God. I thank you for things that, that can, can begin to make sense to me in the name of Jesus. And God, help us to operate within these parameters. God, help us to take no credit for this. Help us, Lord God, to push all of that credit up to you, to give glory unto you in the name of Jesus. And God, I give you praise and glory. Come on, folks. God is not done yet in this place. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so then Paul, he reached the conclusion that now I can live by the strength that I get from him. And that one, boy, I mean to tell you, will put you in a whole different dimension. Amen. And so this is what God wants to do. And, and I hope that this will. I, I, I hope that, that this will stir you up. You know, he goes on to say, those who do not forsake their pride will spend the rest of their lives doing damage control. And that's exactly where I came from. And I don't want to go back. And I hope that you don't either. I hope that you're recognizing that God is a loving God. He cares and, 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 and he, um, he just pours out things, praise God, because of that love that he has for us in Jesus' name. And so hopefully this will, this will help somebody here today and then linger on this week. And boy, within a few days, that influence can begin to be like leaven that gets put into a lump of... Um, uh, you know, of bread, and, and pretty soon it's just, con it's, it's involved in every aspect and every fiber. And that's the thing about apostolic Christian and, you know, Christian Christianity that makes the difference, is it does and can and will, if you will let it, affect every part of your life. Amen. Now, it doesn't give you authority over human beings. It just gives you authority not only, only over the demonic world, but it also gives you, gives you authority in your own life. Praise God. And so I, I am one that says we need to take that authority in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Here real briefly, there are weapons that God has helped me to understand in these, in these hours that I'm living in. And not just because I got a Bible study together, but because I've used them. And I see how effective they are. I really do. And that's the thing that I look for. I'm not looking for some kind of a program that will help me to, you know, have a better self-esteem. Although I that might be important initially for somebody. I, I want something that works. Amen. Amen. And, and love is one of those things that does work. And the Bible says that the love of God in the fifth chapter of Romans is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost. That's another one of the reasons why the Holy Ghost is absolutely essential. I know that's, that's you, you, you take a risk when you say things like that because people want to make up their own minds and you still can. But I hope I'm driving the point across to you, praise God, that you're living way, way, way below what God has already designed for you to do even in this fallen world. Praise God. When you take on the things that God has, when you get your past taken care of, and the only way that you could ever get your past taken care of is to have it completely wiped away. And there's only one way that that can happen. It's through the remission of sins. That's what Jesus and the apostles taught. That's why when they were asked the question after they preached that message on who Jesus was and what he was represented and let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made this same Jesus Christ Lord of all. Wow, what, a, what an altar call. Well, the scripture says that they were pricked in their heart. There was something that said, wow, this, we don't hear it like this at the synagogue. You know, we don't hear it like this at our little small group home Bible studies. 
Man, we come here and this is powerful word. And then they just blurted it out. They said, what do we do? What can we do about this condition that we're in? And Peter was very, in fact, I don't think he hesitated a bit. He said, repent. And repent is not a bad word, folks. Repent really means we're going to change. We're going to change. We're not going to remain the same. Amen. And then he said, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a very, very, very simple process, but it depends on God, not you. And man, our flesh don't like that. Praise God. And so I found that by tapping into the things of God, I have weapons, praise God. Let me list some of these for you if you haven't heard this before. You know, first of all, the blood of Jesus Christ. You have to kind of do a little studying in the Bible about this. And, and the Old Testament is very, very, very helpful in this. You know, the Old Testament is about, uh, a lot of the Old Testament has to do with the nation of Israel. This is the chosen people. God chose people, you know. And it wasn't that anybody else couldn't come in, but they had to come in through that vein. And Abraham is the father of the faithful. And if you follow his lineage, you're going to find that's what it was, the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel was told um, just about everything what to do, where to go, what to wear, how to worship, and all of that kind of business. And you say, oh, that's not for me. Boy, you're missing it again. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to live by your own self. And like I said, you and I, we could pile it up every day and we still wouldn't even, we'd come so short. Why not enlist in the things of God? And they did. And one of the things that they had to enlist in was they had to enlist in something called blood sacrifice. And back then it was animals, you know, and that's what they did. Every day they would offer sacrifices to God, you know, and then once a year they would have a special offering called the atonement offering that did not remit their sins, but it pushed them ahead. And so this is the, what the Old Testament teaches us. And by the way, Jesus, when he was traveling around the earth as a man, he was under the Old Testament. He was under the law. And he didn't violate the law, but boy, did he, did he bump it up. Praise God. And then finally, when he was about 33 years of age, it came the time when he was going to make the ultimate sacrifice. And it was the shedding of his blood. Now, I know that doesn't sound real pretty. But what it does is it helps us to understand the, um, the severity of sin. See, today in our world today, people want to belittle sin. And they want to just kind of sweep it under the carpet and say it doesn't happen. And you might be one of those people here today. And this might be very uncomfortable for you. But I hope this uncomfortableness will unveil some things. And you will realize this disease is not going to go away. The sin disease is not going to go away for you. And that's not some threat from me. That's how it is. So what are we left with? Well, we're left with doing nothing about it and just trying to live life the best that we can, which is what the vast majority of people are doing. Or we can come to God and say, God, what shall we do? What shall we do, God? What can I do about this? Praise God. And God gives us a pathway. He gives us a way in which we can do that. We can apply the blood of Jesus Christ into our lives by repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. That's what does it. It applies the blood. And you say, well, that's funny. No, it isn't to God. It's a real thing. When I came out of that water, you know, 40-odd years ago, I had no sin in my life. That's how God looked at me. And it wasn't because I was such a great person. It was because, you know, I just ended up stumbling into the plan of God and following it. But boy, I have found out, praise God, that that blood of Jesus Christ it can be applied every day. 
That's why after you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you can begin to call upon the Lord with real authority. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says he is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I did it again this morning, praise God. I'll do it again tonight. I'll do it again tomorrow. Come on, folks. I am going to be totally dependent on God. That's not a bad thing. Oh, praise God. You're not forcing me to do this. This is something I found out that was my privilege and it was my invitation. Praise God. So the blood of, 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 the, of the Lord, praise God. Another weapon that I have is my testimony. Now all of a sudden I've got some evidence in my life that stipulates that God is, is moving. Now the scripture says, and I think it's in the end of the, the, the gospel of Mark, it says that Jesus went with those disciples confirming the word with signs following. And so you and I, we can expect the same thing. Praise God. We can expect that God with signs will come into our lives. Praise God. And so think about that. You'll become a testimony. A testimony without any evidence isn't really a testimony. It's just hearsay. But boy, you get somebody who's been blood-bought. <laughs> you get somebody who's already had a few healings in their life. You get somebody that used to be depressed or they used to have all kinds of things like that, but all of a sudden it's starting to go. It's starting to rise. I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's called a testimony. Now, that isn't giving me credit. It's just extending the fact that, God, you are evidencing things in my life that confirm this word as being real in Jesus' name. Come on, can somebody lift their hand? right now and give God praise for that come on I'm telling you it's real Woo! it's real come on that's what I'm talking about this is not some kind of a hoop to do this is a real deal praise God and it works praise God now I understand the danger of all of this you guys are just emotionally charged well yeah our emotions do get involved in this but at the end of the day when the emotions are gone and the lights go down in the city you know, I'm telling you, folks, praise God, that fact of God's word is still there. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you something, folks, it still works. You can get up tomorrow morning and say, well, let's just try this again. And praise God, he's right there in the name of Jesus. That's what I'm talking about, praise God. And then I've learned that one of my, you know, one of, my, one of the greatest weapons that I have, well, they're all great, is the name of Jesus. Amen. The one that we used to cuss the one that we, you know, try to tangle into some kind of poetry and stuff. I'm, and I'm, I know I'm being smart, Alec. But the bottom line is now we don't do that. Now we know we can call upon the name of Jesus. And there's authority in that name. Um, I don't have time this morning, but if you want to do a good Bible study on this, go to the 10th chapter of the book of Luke. This is one of the first times that we see in the Gospels that Jesus begins to um, delegate his authority. And he took 70 people. I don't know who they were. But I mean, they were just people who were following him, you know? And listen, I want to tell you, they had not received the Holy Ghost yet. That's why you can go into some denominations and they have some authority. I'm not saying it doesn't happen that way. But the bottom line is, you know, the authority's in his name. And so they came back, man, after I don't know how long they were out, but the Bible says they came back and said, man, even the demons are in subjection to us through thy name. And Jesus made, you know, he made a prophecy. He said, he said that um, I saw Satan fall from heaven as of lightning. Um, uh, anybody, we don't see a whole lot of it out here, but boy, when you see lightning, it's just like that. 
And that's what Jesus was talking about. That when you get the authority of God in your name, in authority of Jesus in your name, you don't have to sit there and negotiate with Satan. You don't have to sit there and say, oh, please, would you leave me alone? Oh, please don't do that to me anymore. No, you have the authority to say, out of here. Get out of here. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Some of you need to get back to that simple little response. Instead of letting, you know, your behavior or some of the mistakes you made think that you just don't have any clout with God anymore. Listen to me, folks. I'm not here to condone your behavior. I'm just saying that's what you're doing. That's why. Are you going to wait until something really bad happens and then you're going to climb on the bandwagon with God? No wonder it takes us so, time, so much time to get started. God wants us to live in that vein. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes, but we take them to the Lord. We call upon the name of Jesus, and his authority restores us. Can somebody say amen? amen. Another one that I, that, I, that I have found to be extremely valuable is the written word of God. Amen. I use it all the time. Praise God. We've, we've talked about this in some of our Bible studies on Wednesday night, how Jesus, who is our greatest hero, he's the one that we want to look to. You want a perfect example? He's the one. You're not going to find one in this world right now. You're going to find him. He is the perfect example. But Jesus used scripture. When he was combating the devil, he just said, it is written. Praise God. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. There, there's power in the word. Praise God. Amen. The scripture says, I think it's in the 8th chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, it says that there is power in the word of a king. And you must understand that's who spoke these words. That's who gave us these words in Jesus' name. And so you can take this to the spiritual bank, praise God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We sing about it. We try to initiate songs in this church that have that word in it because that's what's going to help us to do it. Amen. I'm not, I'm not interested in somebody's, you know, um, uh, uh, take on this. I'm more interested in what God has to say about it. And then we can, we can really begin to see some things. Now, again, I know these are things that maybe some of you have heard before, but you must understand, I have proven these things. These things work, praise God. And then for me, I've lumped two of them together. I, sometimes I separate them, but they're two together with me, and that is prayer and praise. These are things that I'm going to continue in my life. And I could do a whole session, sessions on prayer. And, and just let me give you this little tidbit. There, when you become into the kingdom of God, there are three prayers, categoric prayers, that you need to learn how to pray. Amen. I'm going to speak about this uh, towards the end here. I'm going, to, I'm going to show you a real conversion. I'm going to give you an example of a conversion in the scripture. And I'm going to show you what follows that, okay? But for right now, we've got to learn how to pray the prayer of a servant, we got to learn to ask God, what would you want me to do, God? Here a couple of weeks ago, I was going, just, just seems like it's been one thing right after another, but whatever. You know, but I was in here, and I was just feeling the load. And man, I just sat over here, you know, and nobody else in here, and I just thought, hey, good. Uh, but I just called out to God. I said, God, what should I do? I mean, I could feel confusion trying to make its way into my life. I could feel that there was just clouds that wanted to come. And I'm not making this stuff up, folks. I'm a real person just like you. i got to use this stuff. But I can't help but tell you that within, within the next few hours, it just seemed like the confusion left. And I, and I thought, well, yeah, that's, that's exactly what you want me to do. 
And so I just did it. I just went on. No hoopla, you know, no whirly bird. I didn't have the hair in the back of my head stand up. It was just God, you know. Now listen to me, folks. Use your emotions, but don't get so caught up in them. They can be so fickle. They can be so, you know, here and there. But when you, when you travel by the, by the word, praise God, you can learn to pray a prayer of a servant. God, what would you have me to do? And then we got to learn to pray the prayer of a son. The Bible says to them that received him, you know, embraced what Jesus told us to do. And this is really predicated upon obedience, folks. The Bible says he gives, gives us the ability to become the sons of God. And the sons of God have influence. Amen. Jesus made reference to this one time. What father of you guys who you're still going to fathering school. But which one of you, if one of your kids would come up and ask for an egg, you'd give them a, a, you'd give them a rock? Come on, folks. That's ridiculous, isn't it? And then Jesus kind of put, the, put the, the, the tail on it when he said, well, how much more would your Father, Heavenly Father, want to give you the Holy Ghost? See, God is wanting to give us things. Amen. And that's why being the, praying the prayer of a son isn't demanding God. It's understanding what I am now. I am a child of the king. Not a perfect one, but I'm still a child of the king. He loves me, praise God. I can, I can reach out to him and he reaches out to me. If I draw nigh unto him, he will draw nigh unto me. It's just that simple, folks, because you are a son of God. Hallelujah. I tell the ladies all the time, if you don't mind being a son of God, I don't mind being the bride of Christ. Come on, when we get up to heaven, it is going to be no, there's going to be none of that. And so we must understand, we pray that. And then, as we further on go with God, now this is for people who are really serious with their walk with God, we can begin to get into the prayer of the bride. Amen. But you must understand, that comes with a lot of responsibility. That means you're going to start cleaning up some areas of your life that used to be real troublesome. And that's not working your way to heaven. That's cleaning out all of the stuff in your life that you don't want to influence anymore. You don't want that stuff in your life. And that might take a little bit of separating on your part. That doesn't mean you're better than anybody else. It just means that you've recognized that I want to get into a position, praise God, where some things can begin to happen. Now, I don't have time to get into all of this today. I'm just basically sowing this seed for you. These are the things that I use on a regular basis. Used them last week. Plan on using them next week. These are weapons against the kingdom of darkness. And they work. Can somebody say amen? amen. Praise God. And then, you know, um, uh, then we have the angels. There are angels, praise God, ministering spirits, and I am never going to get into angel worship. But listen to me, folks. The angel that appeared to Cornelius in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, he's still going around and appearing to other people too. Gabriel, he's still doing that kind of stuff. And there are angels, praise God, that will come in and minister that's what they're designed to do. They don't have the flaws that you and I have. They don't have the idiosyncrasies that you and I have. They just have a pureness for God. And they can do that, praise God. And God, the Bible says there are angels that hearken unto the voice of God. Literally, that's what they do. They do his commandments. And you and I, we can initiate that when we are obedient to God. 
Literally, and I never, I can't tell you all the time when that happens, I just know that it does. I know that there are certain things that came in that were absolutely supernatural, and there's no way. And I'm not, I don't spend all day pondering on it and how it happened and all that kind of business. It's kind of like waiting on the second coming of the Lord. You can get caught up in that stuff. Just live for God. Just recognize that these are things, praise God, that God puts in your life, praise God, and they work. The last one, of course, is the Holy Ghost. We, I spent here a few weeks back, I spent on uh, 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 almost the entire Sunday morning talking about why we need the Holy Ghost. If you need me to reiterate that in your home or, or with you personally, I would be more than glad to do that. God is good. His weapons work. Would you lift your hands right now? Close your eyes. Come on. And if you can, just ask God to help you with this. Come on. This, this, this package that we're trying to get across to you this morning does have to do with things I don't think I need. Oh, now I know I need them, God. I know that I am not going to make it to heaven without your help. I am not going to make it, you know, in this life without you. And I don't want to wait until I crash and burn, God. I'm getting tired of that. I'm really getting weary of that. That's taking too much out of me. And so, God, I want a renewed mind and spirit here today. I want to start recognizing that these things are not just for a select few, but you said these signs would follow them that believe. You said in your name we could cast out devils. You said we would speak with new tongues. You said we could pick up any deadly thing or, drink, or eat any deadly thing and it would not harm us. You said we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. God, we're not seeking signs, but they should follow us. And God, that's what my life wants. I want my life to be that way. I'm not trying to impress people. I'm not trying to even get along with them any better. I just want to please you. I just want you to be the king and of Lord of Lords in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody here, you're right there. That's where it's at in the name of Jesus. Your strength is in the Lord in the name of Jesus. Your strength is in the Lord in Jesus' name. And so what you can do is you can decide today, and, I, and then I've got a whole session about this too, about taking small steps. I'm just going to start. Right now, I'm going the right direction. And I'm going to maintain that momentum. That's what I'm going to do. Every day I'm going to get up and say, God, I want to go the right direction. And quit worrying about, you know, running the, the you know, the, the hundred yard dash in, in, in five seconds or whatever the case is. Just make sure you're going the right direction. And what is that? I want to get closer to God. And that's how you can begin to filter everything that you do in your life. Literally, it works. Praise God. Is this bringing me closer to God? Or is this taking me away? Could this be a stumbling block? Could this be one of those things that Jesus said, you know, to, to the, every weight and the sin that easily besets us? There are a lot of weights that we take on that we don't have to. And if we could just simply learn to filter it through God and His Word. I'm going to tell you something, folks. We could live victorious lives. That doesn't mean we're not going to have our issues and we're not going to have our days and stuff like that. It just means that we know, praise God, eight times in the book of Revelation. It's not all about scary stories, folks. Eight times in the book of Revelation, it talks about overcoming, praise God. And that's one of the major themes of the church, praise God, is that we are overcomers in the name of Jesus. Look at somebody and say, you look like an overcomer. Yes, you do, praise God. Yeah, you got that look on your face now. 
Now keep that in the name of Jesus. And so God will help you. He will put, he will make sense of this, folks. The thing that we try to do a lot of times is we try to make sense in the natural man. And today, if you do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you've never experienced something wonderful coming out of your mouth that you, you could never have put in there, I'm going to tell you something. It's for you. It's for you. And we'd love to teach you that because this is what's happening. Millions of people all across this world are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Even Time Magazine said that's one of the 100 greatest things that's happened in this century. Even mankind is acknowledging the fact that this stuff is happening. Amen. Denzel Washington. I don't know much about him, but one I read an interview by him, and he's a pretty well-known actor. I know that. I don't know him personally. I do not. But one of the things that he said in that interview is he said one of the most wonderful things that ever happened to him is he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I'm telling you, folks, that's where we're at. And it's not like we glamorize tongues and all that stuff and Hollywood actors. I'm just telling you there are no barriers. People who want it, they can receive it in Jesus' name. And then people who receive it, come on, let it, let it get a hold of you like never before in Jesus' name. And I'll tell you something, it's great. Go with me to the 22nd chapter of the book of Luke, and let me show you something here. Um, this happened a couple of times. Um, the old um, um, uh, uh, fleshly... Desires started to intervene with the things of God. It happened once in the 20th chapter of the book of, um, of Matthew when, 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 when Zebedee's mom came along. And man, who can resist a mom, right? Well, she come along and says, listen, Jesus, I want you to do this for my kids. And, and of course, Jesus took the opportunity to teach a great Bible study saying, listen, you know, you gotta, you've got to be careful with those kind of things. Well, in the 22nd chapter of the book of um, Luke, we see the same thing happen again the night of the Last Supper. They're still having an issue with who's going to be the greatest here and who's going to carry on and all that kind of stuff. Listen to me, folks. That's a lot of times is not the devil. That's your flesh. And I'm going to give you something here before we leave here today that will help that. You must separate the fact that sometimes the weapons that work on Satan might not work real well on you. And the reason that is is because you're a human being. And you come under different parameters. Now I'll get to that here in just a little bit. But the Bible says in verse 24... Luke 22 and 24, it says, And there was also a strife among them. Now, this is at the Last Supper. This is during a church service. <laughs> and I, I, it never ceases to amaze me. I'm going, my goodness. No wonder we have some of that stuff around here, you know? Well, the Bible says, it says, Which of them should be accounted the greatest? Here we go again. They didn't settle that in the 20th chapter. And the 20th chapter of Matthew and this one is different. It's not the same thing. Didn't happen at the same time. So you know that that subject, it, when, and what I use this for is if you don't put things under the blood of Jesus Christ, they will come back. And that's what happens to you, and that's what happens to me. That's why you and I must take some things very seriously. And we must say, listen, I got a problem with this, God. This is not just a one-time thing. This is something that I struggle with every day. Well, God can help us to do things. He can help us to get involved in some things that will help us. And so the Bible says um, here in the 22nd chapters that, that he goes through the Bible study again. And I'm not going to go through that because of my time right here. And, and, and after he gets done with the Bible study, in verse 31, I want to show you something here. 
Amen. We're still dealing with the same thing here or, or in the same time frame. Jesus says something to Simon, Simon Peter. Remember him? He's the guy that got the keys, right? He's the guy that, tells, that says everything that everybody's thinking. He just has the guts to say it. And so he says, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you. Do you see that? Look at that in verse 31. It says, and that he may sift you, praise God. And literally what that means, that word sift, if you study that in the Greek, it means to shake or to agitate. So I'm not saying that Satan doesn't cause some things, not everything. But when you start doing a work for the Lord, sometimes he will start to try to agitate you. And so the Bible says he wanted to sift you as wheat. And then the Bible says in verse 32, but I have prayed for thee. Look at this, Jesus is interceding for us. Isn't that wonderful? Come on, get this paper out again tomorrow and study it again. Find yourself in it. What are some of the things that you just, you know, you know are going to happen? You know? And find out what God can do for you. Jesus will pray. The Bible says he's our um, high priest. He becomes our intercessor. He's in heaven making intercession for you and I. You can rest upon that. I'm talking about a good thing here, folks. And so the Bible says that Jesus said here, he said, I have, he said, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when, not if. Now, Jesus didn't say, I'm going to take all these bad things away from you, Simon. I'm going to put you in this little bubble, and you'll never have any more problems in your life. See, that's what we think. And that's not what he said. He said, You're, this problem is going to help make you. This problem is going to help develop you into a better Christian. And when that happens, that's why conversion is so important. It's because conversion is meant to make that happen. When people are converted, they just don't believe on, it's not that they just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. There are some things in their life that have changed. There are some things in their life that they used to be going this way, but now they're going that way. Come on, folks. Can anybody say amen to that? I'm telling you the truth. I know this has been a long session here today. And I knew that some, I'd lose a few. But I'm telling you something. There's a few of you left. Come on, sit back up on the edge of that seat and grasp the rest of this Bible study. God's got something for you. He wants to help you to develop into the best Christian you can be. And the only way you're going to do that, and the only way I'm going to do that is by true conversion. And that's why Jesus said, this stuff is going to happen to you, but when you are converted, when you turn back around and come back to where you know you should be, that's really what it's talking about there. And we all understand it because we got the Bible, don't we? We know that Peter put his chest and said, you know, God, everybody else is going to walk away, but not me. Oh, Jesus, you're not talking about me now. You're, you know, and I'm not here to, to, to paint Peter other than carnal. And we know that it wasn't just a few hours later, man, he denied the Lord three times. And Jesus even told him he would. And we know that he struggled with that. We know that he went out and wept bitterly. And so I'm not taking away from that. And some of you, you haven't had anything in your life quite to that extent, but you've had a few things that are coming close. And what has to happen and what God wants you to know this morning is that he wants you to be converted. He wants you to turn back around and come back to where you know you need to be in Jesus' name.
And man, I mean, I tell you, when that begins to happen, praise God, I mean, things will begin to happen. You know what one of the byproducts of that is? One of the byproducts is, is you won't be cutting your brother and sister down. You will be strengthening them. You won't be looking for all the faults in their life. You'll be saying, man, I had to go through some things, but now I went through them, and now I can strengthen people. Come on, who wants to become a strength to their brother and sister? Lift up your hand right now. Come on, this is the will of God for this church. It's the will of God for this church. Oh, do I feel that in the Holy Ghost? I'm telling you right now, it's as thick as it gets in here. Right now, the Lord is in the converting business. Ah, ratakobasi, lamando, rita, yalamata, in the name of Jesus. Yes, let that go forth. Let that find a, let that find a fertile ground. Maurabaha. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean you don't ever point out faults in people's lives and things like that. That doesn't mean we take a passive, aggressive way of approaching our brothers and sisters. Well, I don't want to tell them that because they might get offended. No, you just learn, you know how to do it now. You know that, hey, that's happened to me, man, and I felt real bad about that. But, hey, God helped me get through that. Now I'm a better person. Now I understand that a little bit. And that's why God allows that to happen for us, so we can become more like him in Jesus' name. Now, for the next few minutes, and this is it, I, it I'm, I've been three times around the airport, and I'm coming in for a landing now, okay? I, I know that. Let me give you an example, in my opinion, of one of the greatest conversions that ever happened. And I mean, it's a big one. Praise God. You go to the ninth chapter of the book of Acts, and you find a guy whose name is um, Saul. And he's creating havoc in the church. For 31 verses there, I don't know if I have time to get through them all, but I'm just telling you, for 31 verses, this man made quite an, quite an effect. But after he was converted, let me just read you the, the last part of it. I'm doing something totally, I'm out of my box now. But I'm going to show you what happens with true conversion. The Bible says in verse 31, Acts 9 and 31, it says, then laid the church, it says, then had the churches rest throughout all Judah and Galilee and Samaria, Samaria and were edified in walking in the fear of the Lord and in comfort of the Holy Ghost and were multiplied. That sounds pretty good to me. That sounds like revival. That sounds like powerful revival. And I'm not putting this all on Saul's head, but I'm going to tell you something. A great deal had to do with him just leaving the church alone. He quit persecuting the church. He quit going out there with a vendetta and trying to put people in jail who were getting baptized in Jesus' name and receiving the Holy Ghost. Isn't that amazing? I think it is too. Every time I read it, I go, wow, that's quite a conversion. And, of course, we understand that not everybody, hook, line, and sinker, you know, accepted Paul. He had his own tr struggles. In fact, that story will tell you that. That that one time, you know, you talk about a rock and a hard place. I mean, the people that he used to serve now found out that he converted to real Christianity, and they were after him. And then the church, who probably had some relatives that got, you know, had the effect of him putting people in jail, they were mad at him. 
And so here's Saul, man. He's between that rock and a hard place. And at one time, he had to let, be let down at the walls of the city in a basket. He became the first basket case of the apostolic movement. But the point of it is, folks, you know, one of the things that was told him was, I'm going to let him know that this isn't going to be, you know, um, uh, all real nicey-nicey, that you're going to suffer some things. And that's why I'm telling you, none of us in this room, I don't know, I don't think so, will ever suffer quite like the Apostle Paul did. But all that live godly shall suffer persecution. In fact, the Bible says, blessed, be exceedingly rejoice and be glad because your reward is great in heaven. Listen to me, folks. Don't run away from it all the time. Learn to accept it. And Paul had to do that. And I don't think he did that after the first service. But I'm going to tell you something. He had to learn that. Now watch this. There's two keys. Two keys to his conversion that I want to show you here today. The Bible says, and Saul, verse number one, Sister Carnahan, nine and one, Acts nine and one. It says, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slander against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest. It says, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any, you know, any, in this way, whether they were men or women, he wasn't prejudiced. It says he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. You see what his intention was? And it still is in this chapter. That's what he's going to do. But the Bible says as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Oh no, not this time. But the Bible says, but there was a suddenly. And the Bible says there came a light that shone round about him, a light from heaven. And the scripture says, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And here's one of the keys to real conversion. He asked the question, who are you? See, folks, a lot of what people's um, stigma or their, 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 their barriers or whatever the case is really comes down to who Jesus is. It was in during the time of Jesus's. Who do men say that I am? Well, let's make sure we get this right, disciples. I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. People that accept Jesus Christ as God usually don't have a problem being baptized in his name. And that's where Paul was. Here's a guy that was about as religious as you get. I mean, you can't get it much more of a lifestyle of religion than him. You know, and I'm not here to put, you know, to blame him. I'm just saying he didn't need uh, an opinion. He didn't need good works. He didn't need somebody to come along and tell him how bad he was. He needed a conversion. He needed to turn around. And the only way you're going to turn around and I'm going to turn around is knowing who God is. That's why that prayer that I told you I prayed here last week or the week before, you know, was so effective. Because I wasn't telling God what to do. I was just in a place, God, what would you want me to do? And it was like, man, the windows of heaven opened. And not that I got, oh, voice came out. No, all it was was all of a sudden that confusion left. When you put God in charge, when you begin to ask the question, you know, God, you're God, I'm not. And you say that's so simple, but you'd be surprised how many people don't have that. 
They have religion in, 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 um, you know, in, in word, but not in deed. And that's why the apostolic movement does have a lot to do with lifestyles. Because there's a lot of pathetic lifestyles out there. People who want to claim God as their Lord, but they're living like real stupid. And I don't want to, I've got to be careful. I know I'm getting real close to the line here. But it's the truth, folks. Come on, you don't have to teach people a whole lot of holiness. They already know it. They already know that there's things that they need to do in their life. Well, the only thing that's going to happen, that's going to bring that about, in my opinion, is a true conversion. That's what has to happen, praise God. And the Lord is here to help that to happen. When a hard case like this, come on, folks, we're not talking about some run-of-the-mill person who used to go to church. We're talking about somebody that was dyed in a wall. But if God can get through to somebody like that, come on, why can't he get through to us? Yeah, that's a good question to ask ourselves. It might have a lot to do with this right here, that we've just, we've gotten into a routine that God, I don't need you most of my life. I just need you when things are really hard. Yeah, I think I just hit a nerve. And we've got to get over that one, folks. We need conversion. We need God to come into our life, and we need to confess that on a regular basis. You are Jesus. You are Almighty God in the flesh. You are the one that died for my sins. And we need to completely reaffirm that in our life on a regular basis. And then the second thing that we see here, the Bible says in verse number 6, it says, and he said, trembling, after he found out, man, you're the one I've been really causing this all this hard time with. You know, and then he says in verse number 6, it says, it says what will you have me to do. There it is. That's a lot. And I know this is as simple as the day is long, but you'd be surprised how many times we get this off the rails. That we're, we want to be God. And that's iniquity, people. That's idolatry. That's going to drive God further away from us than anything else, is if we're going to begin to act like that. Now, I know that's serious, but it's true. You and I must understand one of the things that would tick God off in a hurry is idolatry. Especially people who know what idolatry is. And I know there's statues, no statues and monuments, but boy, we make ourselves into a statue a lot. And it's not his will, it's our will. Conversion will help us with that. Let me give you something here and then I'm going I'm to close. By the way, ladies, tonight is your night. Come, Bible study, fellowship, and discuss the things of the Lord. That's your deal. Back here tonight at 5.30 and, and uh, uh, lunch back there and Bible study. Good book. I've, Sister Carnahan was telling me something about the book. and it's, I like it. I like apostolic authors. Jesus' name. That was a 15-second commercial, okay? Okay, go to the, the book of, of Peter. And let me show you something here that has to happen. And conversion is the only way, in my opinion, that it does happen. I'm still looking. Um, I know it's, uh, it's one of them. <laughs> Boy, isn't that the truth. Um, must be the second one.
No, it's got to be the first one. And I had it marked somewhere. 1 Peter chapter 2. Boy, eyesight. There it is. Look at verse 21. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. Scripture tells us there, it says, For even hereunto were you called. It says, Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. That makes sense, doesn't it? Then he goes on to say in verse 22, he says, Who did no sin, neither was guile found. Craftiness or deceit is what that word means. Found in his mouth. Verse 23, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. See the job that we've got? Yeah. It says, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged rightly. That's what conversion is designed to do. It's designed to deepen the commitment. And if you and I are not committed to God, we will become professional, surface, relationshipists. That's what we will do. And when? Not if. When the stuff comes, we're going to get blown right out the back door. And I think I'm in the midst of some people, maybe there's a few online here today, that you're tired of that. That's why I'm telling you, you've got to incorporate the weapons. You've got to incorporate who God is. You've got to be asking him what he would want you to do. Amen. And when you start doing that on a regular basis, this is what's going to happen. The Bible says in verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. Verse 25, I hope this will get into your spirit. For you and I were as sheep going astray but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of our soul. Wow. There it is, folks. That's what conversion does. Follow the life of Paul. My goodness, you go to the Second Corinthians chapter number, I think it's 11 or 12, and he gives you a whole list of stuff that he went through. But he went through it because he knew, praise God, and he was converted. Now again, I'm not comparing you to the apostles Paul. I'm not. I wouldn't do that. Myself either. But I'm saying that we are going to encounter some things. That we are going to need God's help in Jesus' name. I don't have time. It's 1130 and I have preached a lot here today. I have, this has all been substance, by the way. There has been no fat in this. This is all pureness. I just took a 32-ounce glass and filled it completely full of Pepsi. There's no ice in it. Folks, I'm telling you, it was all the pure stuff. So I understand with that kind of thing, you've got to give people a chance to kind of get their balance. But why don't you go ahead and, and stand with me right now. I'm telling you, God is here. He's for you. He loves you. He really cares for you. He knew exactly where you would be this morning, right now.
And so he wants, to, he wants you to succeed in the kingdom of God. He wants to help you to, to put on the armor of God. And he wants to help you to have the weapons ready, praise God. And I'm telling you right now, this morning, there's enough seed in this place to where that can happen in Jesus' name. Come on, let's call upon the Lord. Come on, now is not the time to get silent. Now's the time to begin to call upon him. Get serious about it. Say, God, that was one... That was one powerful message, praise God. That was pure scripture. Help me to digest that right now. In the name of Jesus, right now, Lord God. In the name of Jesus.